Hi, I pray you're ready for a great study in the Word of God. My name is Pastor Rick. I'm so glad you're with us today. It's going to be amazing. Stay with us. Open your Bible up. Get ready. Get your Bible app up. Whatever you have that has the Word of God on it. And get ready for a great journey. It's really going to be exciting. I believe the Word of God can change your life. and get down to what the Bible says is the marrow of your bone. And so open your heart today and watch God change your life. Stay with us. It's going to be amazing in just a minute. Stay right there. Repeat the top with me, please. Say, deciding how you will end. That is something only you can decide. Now, the unpredictable can happen. But I don't want to talk about what's unpredictable because that's unpredictable. I want to talk about what is planable. There are some things that you can do that can redirect your entire life. You can make a decision. I often tell this story. A sister said on that side of the church, she heard me preach a sermon about improving your life. I said, in 48 months, you can go back to school and change your entire life, your income structure, your options, your opportunities. You can have more job offers. You can read better, do better, have more in 48 months. So this mother of three, I believe, decided to go back to school. And she came up to me at the end of 48 months and said these words. I heard you 48 months ago. And I am graduating today. She graduated. And then she didn't call me again for another several more years and said, I called you. I'm about to go outside and graduate and get my doctorate degree. I heard you several years ago. The options in your life can change. When you change, how do you want this to end? Your marriage is in disarray. You're in strife all the time. This will end in divorce or something worse. I won't even try to guess what the worst is. The worst could be you can live together and suffer together for years to come and be enemies living in the same house, tossing grenades at each other. That's where this is headed. Or you can decide to change. You can make a decision. It's up to you. Your health is going down, down, down. How do you do it? Because everything hurts. Knees, your head, your head. Ooh, ouch, that hurt. Neck. You know, I was going down the aisle the other day in the grocery store. And I said, I used to eat that. I used to eat that. But now I know better. If I don't want things to hurt, if I, and, and when you get 60, things hurt that didn't used to hurt. I heard a well. That's a deacon well. Amen. That's a, I, I take that. Amen. 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 That's, that's time for a well on that one. It hurts. Man, I'm telling you, on the left side, the right side, but when you do right, it stops hurting as much. Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah. But it's the decision you make. The sermon that I preached last week was called Decide Where You Stand. I challenge you to come to a conviction. You need to decide this is how I'm going to manage this part of my life. I decide that. God does not decide that for you. That's the gift he gave you. Adam and Eve, you're in the garden. You decide whether to eat this fruit or not. It's up to you. It's called free will. It's what separates you from being a robot. It gives you that unique gift, the opportunity to say something. 
So you decided where you stand, and now you're hopefully there. This is your conviction. What is your decision? I've got some really great sermon series coming up. Oh, I can't wait to share them. This is called Building a Better Covenant, right? But I got one called Building Better Finances coming up. I got one called Building a Better Sexual Attitude coming up. Everybody say amen to that one. Oh, it's going to be good, too. I'm going to talk about it for four weeks. It's going to be a long series. <laughs> Building a better work ethic. Deciding to build. So I'm going to stay on this whole idea. Right now we're talking about covenants. And so this whole idea is that you come to an agreement, make a contract, decide. This is where I stand. Today we talk about this is how it will end. Now, we know this is Palm Sunday, and we understand that the focus is going to eventually be, you'll see in a minute, about what happened on Palm Sunday, six days before Jesus died. I want you to think about this for a minute. As you get to the point where you look down and you see your life is coming to, not an end, but some things in your life are changing. You're no longer in high school, you're no longer in college, you're no longer on that job, you've retired, or you're close to the retirement age, or whatever it is. Things are coming to an end. That is a strange feeling. Your kids are about to leave home. Something is about to end. The question is, how will it end? And what role and what part do you get to play in that process? There is um, a, an ending and a starting, and we're going to look at the start next week. We're going to look at how God and the resurrection started everything all over again. And there's a verse we'll look at next week. It's in Romans chapter five, 6, verse 5. Listen to what it says. For we have been united together in the likeness of his death, so that we also shall be in the likeness of his what? Resurrection. This is Romans 6 and 5. Are you with me? Say amen if you're there. We shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we no longer should be, this is the big punchline, say slaves, slaves of sin. That's what the resurrection is about next week. Easter is not about the death of Christ, not really. Easter is about the resurrection of Christ. Good Friday is about the death of Christ. So we're clear in our minds that we are celebrating today what will be an amazing moment in the life of humanity where Jesus came and he died for our sins. And we do celebrate that on Good Friday, but Easter Sunday, totally different. But we are in another place in this time on the, on the calendar. John chapter, chapter 12 describes it in this way. Six days before his death, Jesus decides to visit some friends. He goes to a place called Bethany. And when he goes there, he's facing... The end. He knows it. He says so in Gethsemane later on, a few days later. I, I know it's coming. The end is close. He told him in John 16, I must die. Peter, remember, got angry about that. I mean, so there's this prophetic thing he's been saying. The end is coming. The end is coming. Look with me and notice this incredible decision he makes six days before he dies. It says, then six days, John chapter 12, verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, which is, by the way, two, about less than two miles from Jerusalem, 
where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him supper, a supper, and Martha, you've heard of her before, right? Served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Imagine that. Where would you go six days before you died? Think about that for a minute. Who would you visit? You know your death is soon, and so let's say you got six days left. I want you to think about who is your Lazarus? Who is the one person you would go and see? And it can't be a family member because Lazarus is not a family member. Think of one friend, one person. If you knew you had six days left, who would you visit? I thought about that question. And especially when you say, not mama, not daddy, not cousin, not brother, cannot be a family member. Is there anybody in your life that's like a Lazarus? And can you imagine this reunion? Hey, Lazarus, you look good. You don't look dead anymore. This is great. <laughs> I mean, this is an incredible moment. Uh, you know, and I mean, he's, and then they're sitting at the table. And I want to know, what in the world are you guys talking about, right? Well, I got a clue. I do. I, I think I'm right about this. How do you know? There's no recordings. I know. I'm telling you. It's right in the text. You'll see in a minute. Because what happened when Lazarus rose from the dead, everybody is excited about him. As a matter of fact, if you look down at verse 9 of John chapter 12, it says this. Now, a great multitude of the Jews knew that he was there. Everybody knew, oh, Jesus, I, it, this, this, the, no, no internet, just talking. Oh, he's in town. He's in town. He's in Bethany. So just think of he's, he's there getting ready to go to Jerusalem for the, for the Passover. And so they came not for Jesus. Say that with me, please. They came not for Jesus. One more time. They what? They came, they came not for Jesus' sake only. It wasn't about Jesus only. It was about that they might see Lazarus. Oh my goodness. Whom we'd raised from the dead. Can you imagine what it'd be like if you saw me and I rose from the dead? Can you imagine what that'd be like? You see me all in, in, you know what I'm saying? You got to imagine, it's pretty dramatic if you're reading John the story. You know, you know Lazarus is dead, right? Lazarus is dying, he dies. And he, he loose him, let him go. You know, he had all the, the, the grave clothes on him. And he gets up, he walks. You know, some of y'all be scared of me by now. <laughs> you know what I'm telling you? If you know what I'm saying? You be, I get up and you be backing up. I say, I'd probably lose half my members. But y'all would stay, right? You wouldn't let that scare you. You, you, ain't, you decide what you decide. <laughs> you, you wait. I don't know, Pastor Rick. <laughs> I, mean, you, I mean, if I reach to hug you, would you back up? Uh -huh. I, I mean, but you got to admit, if you truly knew I was dead for real, you know, and the Bible said he stank, so they know he was really gone, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, he's up again, and, you know, in the neighborhood, oh, here he comes. That's the guy I'm telling you right there. That's, that's, I bet Lazarus at the table said, man, they're looking at me. Everybody's talking about me. I'm the most famous man in town. Pharisees, everybody, Lazarus, him, right there. And so to all the people, it's like a tour. We're going to the Passover in Jerusalem, but on the way, we're going to stop and see this guy who was dead. You know, so everybody's coming by the thousands. They want to see Lazarus. You, ever, you know, fame is amazing. You know, when you get to be known a little bit, it's really weird, you know, because people look at you. You know, because <laughs> when I first got on television, uh, I was on TV every day for 25 years, for a long time. And, and I told my wife, she said, they're looking at me. She said, you're being paranoid. And I'm about to look at you. 
And I said, yeah, they are. Everywhere I go, they're looking at me, standing, hey. And then they, they go, your name is? I said, Ricky Tell. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So now I'm on, every, you know, twice a day I'm on the motivational moments. I'm doing it a different format. But it's this 30 seconds. It wasn't meant. We cut it down 30 seconds. Like we're on twice before the news, after the news on the biggest station in town, TLC. But anyway, and so now they're looking again. That's how they, that's how they do you. They look at you. And then they don't look. They look away. And, and then sometimes they follow you. This is true. They follow you. They follow you around. They follow me around the store. They walk up to you and just start talking. Yeah, I like that, what you said the other day. I said, excuse me, what's your name? I don't know you. Anyway, but here's the deal. Lazarus is getting this in full bloom. People looking at him, talking about him, and some don't like him. Now, you know, that's the strangest thing in the world. You ever had somebody that don't like you that don't know you? No, 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 I'm, no, 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 no. Now, hear what I'm saying to you. They absolutely don't know you. They have never met you, never seen you in person, but they don't like you. That is an amazing thing. I can't stand Ricky Temple. You don't know me. You never seen me. I never been in your presence. I'm amazed. I heard. I heard. Yes, I have an ATM machine in the church. How many of you heard that lot before? Raise your hand. Hold, hold on your ATM. I wish we had one because I could go get some money out of it. I heard that last so many times. I heard I had red carpet too. I heard you. Anybody heard that about the red carpet? Okay, good. Praise God. That was that's dying down now. But anyway, the, the, they greet me at my car with a red carpet. They don't have no. It's crazy. I here's one. I, heard, I asked for your W two form. How many heard that one? Oh my God, that lie still living. Amen. This is sad. I tell people I wouldn't even go to that church. <laughs> Some people say he won't let you shout. How many heard anybody heard that one? Five of you, that ain't true either. You can shout, just don't hit nobody, praise God. Just don't hit anybody. And we can't shout all day. I got to get home. I got to get out of here. But Lazarus is under all this pressure. Lies, assumptions. Look at verse, verse 10. The chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death. Wow. Man. Now they want to kill me. That's what they're talking about at the table. Jesus, this has changed, man. Everybody's staring at me and they want to kill me because, of an, because on account of, of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. They're sitting at dinner. All of a sudden, he's famous now, and they want to kill him. Wow. Could that be why Jesus stopped by? That he knew his friend was facing all this challenge because of his new faith and because of his, the miracle in his life. And that's really what happens. Sometimes when you rise from behaviors that used to have you bound, people don't know how to deal with you anymore. Come on, say amen if you're hearing me, church. You used to be high all the time. Some of you were high all the time. One more time, you were high all the time. And you, some of you are professional hires because you don't look high. <laughs> you high right now, but nobody knows it. <laughs> You got high before you came to church. You just as high as you can be. Can't hardly see. <laughs> That's why you were real careful. <laughs> you know it's in you. <laughs> and then one day you change. You come to God. You say, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm just tired of this. I'm tired of cussing like this. I used to cuss all the time. I'm just not cussing like this anymore. And people don't even know how to talk to you. Because your conversation used to be, and yeah, blank, and, and triple blank, and quadruple blank, and now you just talk normal. How you doing? How, how's your family? 
And they wait, you didn't cuss. You got a cuss in there somewhere. You've changed. You're not chasing after women anymore. Women are confused. You used to always flirt. Now you don't flirt anymore. You just, hey, girl, you, 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 that's all you're going to say today? Yeah, that's all. That's it. I'm finished. I've retired from that. <laughs> it's confusing to people to see somebody who's resurrected and changed. And sometimes you lose people. And sometimes you threaten people because now they're forced to see themselves. They couldn't do this miracle. If they could do the miracle, they wouldn't care. But all of a sudden, they're frustrated. And if you read on in this chapter, and John, you hear them say one time, they say, look, everybody has gone after him. Everybody's following after this. That's what the Pharisees and the leaders said. And so now, all of a sudden, if you're not careful, it's changed. Well, there are three things I hope you get out of this, three ways I pray you will end your life, because this is coming now to the end of Lazarus of Jesus' life, and I, I, I want three things to stay in your mind, three things I pray for you that I gained from this story on Palm Sunday. I pray that you end this life with good friends. I pray that you have a Lazarus in your life. I pray that you have somebody that you care about that's just a good friend. Not much to ask for. Just one. Who's your Lazarus? Will you allow a Lazarus into your life? Just one. I understand there's a great book called Quiet. It is absolutely amazing. It's a really wonderful. Susan Cain is the author of it. You may be an introvert like her, but it's really cool to have one Lazarus in your life. You may be a person who likes to, you know, likes to be alone and all that. That's great. Nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, they say you make better choices if you're an introvert. There's something powerful about being the kind of person who doesn't mind being with themselves and God and alone. But, but I hope that you don't allow that to push you to the place where you have nobody and you allow nobody in your life. At the end of his life, six days before he died, he went and sat with a friend and had dinner. I pray that for you. Second thing that I hope you have at the end of your life is I pray that you know the truth. Chapter 12, verse 12 is interesting because in chapter 12, verse 12 of John, the Bible says the next day a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches and palm trees. And they went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna. This means to save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the king of Israel. The king of Israel. Man, this is what we celebrate today on Palm Sunday. This is that, you know, that moment when you think about they came out and, and man, they're just yelling his name and want to call him king. But their heart's not right. And Jesus knew it. Here's what I hope you don't die with, a lie. I pray that you know the truth. I pray that you, un Jesus knew it. These guys don't mean this. In a few days, they're going to kill me. You know what breaks your heart sometimes? You choose to believe what's not true. I'd rather know the truth. I, and I've seen people crying over somebody that didn't want them, you know, or something. You know, just crying and, 
and, and in some of these sessions I've done when people, I, I look at them and through the tears, I'll swim through the tears, you know, and say, why would you want to be with somebody who want to be with you? I'm just curious. Help me understand that. But hey, she is and they are and my dad, my dad, my dad won't call. And I say, okay, now swim through the tears. The truth is, fill in the blank. Maybe they have their own pain. Maybe, maybe I don't know what their issue is, but why, 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 why are you allowing this to dominate your life? Give me an amen, somebody. Amen. This is the truth. If you, the truth is, I mean, I, I, you know, membership. I want you to be here, right? I was a bunch of, okay, it's great. But hey, if you don't want to be here, I ain't going to say amen too fast. Now I want to run out. <laughs> Wait a second. Give me a second. Slow it down a little bit. here now but I really don't <laughs> I really don't want you to leave necessarily but I don't want you to sit and judge me every week he's terrible it's a horrible sermon this is awful I wish he'd shout some more well you know there's a bunch of people running around town you can go find your place that does that I'm just I'm tired I can't you know what I'm saying I work out but I can't I can't I get confused if I talk too fast so I take, that's why I have notes. I'll get lost. I'll be running in circles. And, uh, and, and then I, I need to know where I'm going. I can't stand just talking about nothing. I, I just can't. I'm sorry. You know, I was at a, a home going the other day, and, and I, I sang a little bit, and I did a little bit. And I've been hearing it all over town. Oh, my God, I didn't know you could do that. Wow. I, yeah, it was, uh, anyway, it was, uh, the guy introduced me, and he got up, and he was really on fire. He was on fire. And the place was on fire. And then they turned it over to me. And I didn't need to get up there and go, well, two principles. I didn't need to do that. <laughs> it was like, I can't get up there and do that. It's going to be a bad moment. <laughs> motivational moment. This ain't no motivational time, buddy. You better bring it on. Light the fire. So I said, can you worship God with me? Lift your hands and say, yeah, yeah. And I did a little bit of that and some other stuff and sang a little bit and and they was, oh, my God, who is that? Matter of fact, that's what they told me after the funeral. They said, who was that up there? Was that you? I don't know you. <laughs> Every now and then, you know, I, 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 but I, I can't. The truth is, that's not me every day. The truth is, I can do that. I get that. The truth is, I'm there. The truth is, I get it. The truth. I don't have to do that. I need to know the truth that God's not expecting that of me every time I'm up. The truth. I hope you die knowing the truth. That's my big point. Jesus at least knew the truth. Do you? When they were fanning those palm leaves, he says, oh, this is great. <laughs> kind of. Just enjoy the moment because that's all, listen to me, this is. It's a moment. Do you, know, do you know what helps me? I'm going to give you a secret. This is a sidebar, but I'm going to say it, and I'm going to get on it and get off of it. People ask me, how do you deal with sexual temptation? What do you do to fight it off of somebody? You know, what do you do? What do you, what, what's your formula? I know the truth. I'm married too long. I ain't crazy. <laughs> why would I, why would I do that? I know the truth. If I didn't know, it would be one thing. But I'm 60 years old. I should know the truth by now. Come on, say amen, right? 
Come on, I need to know the truth right now, right? So I travel all over the place. I see pretty people all the time, and I, I go places, and they all know me. Bunch of, some places I go, my wife had me laugh, teasing another day, went to work, went to workshop, and she said, oh, God. She said, they like him everywhere. They, they like him in the hotel. They like him in the airport. They like him everywhere. And, and, and you know, so it's a lot of women. Hi, Pastor Ricky. Oh, hey, Ricky. How you doing? Someone don't know my pastor. Hey, Ricky. Hey, 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 hey. And I said, that's fine, but I know the truth. That's a person. Come on, say amen. Let me help some of you. Didn't you figure it out yet? How many times you've been with people and you haven't figured this out yet? You come on. So you shall know the truth, know the truth. And, the truth and the truth will stop you stop. from acting crazy. I added that on. <laughs> the truth will stop you. Don't do that. Spend all your money. Pause. All right, I'm I'm finished. Two things I want for you. Number one, I hope you number one have a good friend. Number two, I hope you know the truth. And then here's number three. You ready? I hope you'll surprise people. Isn't it great when you see somebody that you thought was going to do bad and then they're doing great? You go, wow. You ever had a wow moment with somebody? Did anybody ever look at you and they, they thought you'd be dead by now? They said, why are you still living? <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you know, you surprise them. You know, you, they, they're shocked sometimes. They just, you, just, you just didn't know. And so here's this John 12, 14. Jesus, now, when, when he came and they were fanning him with the branches, he, he, had, he had found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. Fear not. This is a quotation from Zechariah 9 and 9, by the way. It's not in your notes. You can write that down. Zechariah 9 and 9. Here's the quote. Fear not, daughters of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And his disciples did not understand that these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. It's all prophetic. They didn't see it till later. But here's what it was, was the big surprise. He's, he's coming as a king, right? But he's on a donkey. That's the big surprise. You ever thought about getting you a donkey? You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever, I'm going to get me a donkey. You ever said that to yourself? And I mean, that, that's, you know, can you, you know, you know, there's no donkey rides downtown. You ever noticed that? They don't have it, you know, but the ho- it's, no, it's not a horse and donkey. I mean, a carriage and donkey. They, donkeys are different. They kind of have a mind of their own. Go and stop, you know, it depends. He's riding on a donkey and he's supposed to be the king. Now, at the very bottom of your notes, I did put some additional notes you could read on your own where from the Bible knowledge commentary, he talks about this whole exchange and talks about this whole thing. So you can look at it yourself and read more about it. But, but what's powerful is it was a surprise. They had one goal in mind. He had another. His goal was to save his people, Matthew 1, from their sins. That was the goal. His primary focus was not to conquer the Romans. That's what they wanted him to do. And he surprised them. He shocked them. Matthew 121 was his goal. He wanted to save his people. He wanted to spiritually fix them. He looked at the, way, the options and said, okay, so what's more important, conquering the Romans and giving them a, a nation, or is it to save their lives and souls? Since we need to save them first. We need to fix their spiritual relationship with God first. They looked at him, even though they had the palm branches, they were surprised. Are you a surprise? Are you going to surprise people because you really change? 
You know, there's a word I forgot to mention to you. If you go back to the top of your notes, I want you to notice something at the very top of your notes. There's a word I forgot to mention. In today's sermon, we're talking about deciding how you will end your life. And there's a word, repentance, that brings us all together. Because the word is from a Greek word, metanoia. And the word means to have a second thought, a change of mind. When you decide how you want your life to end, and you say, I will not let my life end that way, that, my friend, is repentance. Repentance is not feeling sorry that you did something. Repentance is a change of mind. I no longer think that way. The reason I don't talk that way and the reason I won't do those things is not because I'm afraid of God. I've changed my view of it. I no longer want to do that. I don't want to drive a truck anymore. I want to drive a car. You've changed your mind totally. And so here's the question. Have you decided how you want your life to end? You want to die being a gangbanger? You want to spend your life in some cell walking around saying you wish you'd made different choices? Do you want your marriage to end? Do you want your life to change? What do you want? This is not my decision. This is your decision. This is not my choice. This is your choice. Ricky Temple is making life changes right now. I've decided. I went to my, my I have a closet full of books, and I, I've been, I yanked them all out. You ought to see my office at the house. They're stacked all around, and I've got them divided into categories. Theology, church, leadership, and what I call good books. And I'm going through them because here's what's going to happen. I know my kids. This is going to all be in the goodwill. So I decided to own my life. I decided to take charge of my life, and I found some of the best books. It's amazing. I've been having this incredible moment. But that, when I end, I want to end with organized books. I want an organized library. When I end my life, I do not, this is me, I do not want a sudden death problem that could have been avoided. I don't want to eat myself into the hospital. Can I get an amen if you hear me? I'm deciding now how I want to end my life. I'm making the decision. Are you? This is the point. Jesus said, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. I'm deciding. What have you decided? What have you decided? I want you to think about this today. You will decide how this all ends. Outside of a surprise. It's really up to you. But we can't talk about a surprise. Because a surprise is a surprise. But I'm talking about what I control. Lift those hands up high with me, please. As a matter of fact, would you please put your stuff down? Stand up on your feet with me. Everybody in life gets to decide. That's why murder is illegal, because you take the decision from somebody. You remove their right to decide what they want for their life. And you take charge of their life. And that's why they take your life from you. They take your, your, your freedom from you. What are you deciding? And I want to just say to somebody... You're mad with somebody because they're making a decision. 
that you don't like and you are fighting off hostile thoughts, you're fighting off anger. But what right do you have to dictate what somebody else is going to do? Please pause for a minute and rethink your position. You can't force anybody to love you. You can't force anybody to serve you. I can't force anybody to go to this church. And Jesus stands up and says, no one's forcing me. I've decided to sacrifice for you. I've decided to lay down my life for you. I made a decision. Some of you need to make a decision. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's a new, a new attitude towards your work, your family, towards your parents. I don't know what it is. But some of you right now are making the biggest decision of your life. I am clear that I am making right now the biggest decisions of my life. For the next 10, 15, 20 years, however long, I, in my future I have, I need to make a decision. And that's, what I'm, that's why I'm doing everything I'm doing right now. It's tied to a goal. Some of you, God's touched you through what I've said today. This is prayer Sunday. I want you to come down to the altar. I'm going to pray a prayer before I let you go home today. If you've said, Pastor, you said something today that spoke to me in some special way, and I desire to be prayed for, please come. I want to pray for you today. This is prayer Sunday. Please come. Please come. It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means something's right with you. It means that God's spoken to you. Come close to the altar, please. If you have a special thing I've said today in some way that speaks to you, some unique way. I don't know what part of it speaks to you. I don't know what part of it kind of resonates in your mind. Sometimes you hear a message and something, a part of it just grabs you and you say, that's for me. I, I, that's the reason I came. Just kind of get together, come together. It, it's just really important. And what, what's the value of praying? Oh man, prayer is, is where it all starts. It's, it's when you come to God and you just tell your neighbors, excuse me please, and just walk past them and, and just come on down and let me pray with you. I believe that God wants to touch you in a unique way in your life. Because all of you, all of you know that things change. God's hand is on your life today. And I believe that there's a time, and that believe it or not, I could be right down here with you because I'm facing some things that I have to plan for. I have to look down the road and be honest and tell the truth. I say, God, I need Lazarus in my life. By the way, I did name somebody. I had one person. I said, if I had six days to live, I'd go sit with this person all day. And we'd have the best conversation, I believe. And then I said to myself, thank you, Lord. I, 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 I believe I know the truth, but I ask you to show me what I don't know. And I declare in Jesus' name, I pray that when people see me, they'll say, surprise. This guy has done more than I thought. I've survived. I've been here for 38 years as the pastor of this church in December. Everybody say surprise. That's a big surprise. That's three, four, almost four times longer than the average pastor these days. And so I thank God for that. Lift your hand with me. Let me pray for you. Father, I lift up every need that's represented here, both here and at home today. There are people going through challenges. There are people going through unique circumstances that you, that you, know, you know about. And I lift them up, God. I lift up their confusion. I lift up before you the things that, that would intimidate them. Uh, many of them are striving, Lord God, to grow, but they haven't faced the truth. Let this be the moment when they open their hearts and change their way of thinking. May this be a moment of change for them. 
You died on the cross. You came knowing that this would not be easy. And you said so in Gethsemane. But Lord God, you were faithfully committed to going forward. So I pray that everyone here would be committed to going forward. Even when the people around us aren't genuine. Even when the people around us are not committed and sincere. I believe and pray that this is the moment when the hand of God will touch and heal hearts in ways that only you can do it. And so I declare in Jesus' name, God's best will come into my life. Would you speak that word? Say it with me, please. I believe God's best is in my future. I believe I can end life in a way that brings glory to God and joy to my life. Father, I trust you with my life. No weapon. Come on, I love this verse. Come on, say, no weapon formed against me will prosper. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now give God a big hand clap. Come on, amen. Come on, God, in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Now, Lord, I also pray for sickness today. Where there are people that are physically challenged, they're going through something in their body that was unexpected. It's a surprise. And they're really not sure how to respond to it. I pray for healing first. I pray for peace second. And I pray for a conviction in their heart that they would believe that God has their life in, in his hand. And so I give you all the praise and all the glory for your healing touch in their lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Are you glad you came today? I hope you are. Well, I pray you're blessed by today's message. I want to encourage you to reach out to us. We'd love to hear more from you. You can go to overcomingbyfaith.org. That's overcomingbyfaith.org. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to be connected to you in some way if you have a question or concern. We love you and pray for you. We ask God's blessing upon your life. You know, the Word of God comes alive and changes your life if you allow it to. So you go be blessed and you have a great day. Remember, reach out to us on all the different mediums. We'd love to see you in person if you can. If you're ever in Savannah, you be blessed. We'll see you next time right here with us at Overcome by Faith. My name is Pastor Rick. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.